This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. New legislation passed during the 2023 session and signed into law by Governor DeSantis makes a host of changes to election law in the state. The new law, referred to as SB 7050, is what's called an omnibus bill because it contains a variety of measures which aren't directly related. Part of it changes the law to allow Florida's governor to run for president without having to resign from office. Governor DeSantis announced his bid for the presidency on on the same day he signed SB 7050 into law. Other parts of it add new restrictions to mail-in voting, including shortening the deadline to request a form from the 10th day before the election to the 12th day, allowing voters to personally pick up a mail-in ballot only if they are unable to go to an early voting location or their assigned election day polling place, banning anyone who's not an immediate family member from requesting a ballot on behalf of a voter, and blocking ballots from being counted if if two or more mail-in ballots are returned in the same envelope. SB 7050 also significantly restricts how third-party voter registration organizations like the League of Women Voters of Florida can operate, including banning all non-citizens, even if a person is in the country legally, from engaging in voter registration outreach, as well as people with certain felony convictions. This means third-party voter registration organizations now have to conduct full background checks on every single volunteer or risk fines of $50,000 per person. In response, the League of Women Voters of Florida is suing Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody and Secretary of State Cord Byrd, seeking to block provisions of the new omnibus election bill that would restrict and penalize the organization's civic engagement efforts. To learn more about the lawsuit and SB 7050, I spoke earlier today with Danielle Lang. She's Senior Director of Voting Rights at Campaign Legal Center, which is represented Presenting the League of Women Voters of Florida in the lawsuit. Let's hear that conversation now. Danielle Lang is Senior Director of Voting Rights at Campaign Legal Center. Danielle, welcome to the show and thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So for starters, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Um, I am the Senior Director for the Voting Rights Program at Campaign Legal Center, which is a national nonprofit based in D.C., working on all issues around election law and focusing on creating a healthier uh, and more accessible democracy. Uh, I live in Philadelphia with my husband and my two-year-old daughter. Um, how long have you been with Campaign Legal Center? I have been with Campaign Legal Center since 2015, so about uh, seven and a half years now. Uh, so when did Senate Bill 7050, uh, which Governor DeSantis has now signed into law, first come across your radar? A couple of months ago, we started to see the Florida legislature looking at election bills and election legislation. Um, and that often comes together through a kind of a variety of bills that are introduced and then often packaged together. And, and that bill that was the focus of the Florida legislature's election regulations, this, uh, this legislative session turned into SB 7050. Can you explain its scope and, and I guess also what's just meant by omnibus? Does that just mean it's got like multiple parts that could otherwise have been passed individually? Yeah, that's right. We talk about an omnibus bill when we talk about a bill that has a lot of different pretty unrelated parts. Uh, so even though this bill all relates to elections, it has a variety of provisions that are not all very related. So we have a provision that, you know, paved the way for Ron DeSantis to run for president without having to resign as governor. 
And then we have a number of restrictions on mail voting. And we have a number of restrictions on voter registration activity by third party groups like the League of Women Voters, for example. Those are pretty unrelated laws, uh, but they were all packaged together in one election omnibus bill, as we call it. So Campaign Legal Center is representing the League of Women Voters of Florida in a lawsuit. They're suing Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody and Secretary of State Cord Byrd to block provisions of SB 7050. Um, first of all, are cases like this typically directed toward individuals like that, or is that, uh, is that an outlier? Uh, it is the ordinary case for lawsuits to be brought against the individuals in the state that are kind of in charge of enforcing a law. And that's a bit of a quirk of constitutional law that often you can't sue the state directly. Instead, you have to sue the officials in their official capacity that are in charge of enforcing the law. So that's that's pretty regular and in the ordinary course. So can you break down which aspects of the law this lawsuit is directed toward? Absolutely. So the League of Women Voters lawsuit is focused directly on the parts of SB 7050 that directly attack their work. Uh, so a huge part, as you can imagine from the name of the League of Women Voters, is helping their fellow voters in Florida engage in the political process. And that starts with voter registration. And so on a yearly basis, uh, the League of Women Voters is averaging about 4,000 voter registrations across the state of Florida. As you can imagine, uh, that kind of ebbs and flows. It's probably higher in election years and a little bit lower in non-election years. But every year, all year long, the League of Women Voters is working to help their neighbors get registered to vote. They are at schools, they are at naturalization ceremonies, they're at your local community events. Setting up tables is probably pretty familiar to you, if not the League, some other group. Uh, setting up tables and asking, are you registered to vote? If not, how can we help you do that? And SB 7050 layers on a number of restrictions on how the League of Women Voters can go about that activity, making that activity a very risky enterprise, potentially imposing hundreds of thousands of penalties on the League of Women Voters for engaging in this activity, telling them who they can work with in doing voter registration drives, that they can't work with anyone who's not a citizen, even if they are a legal permanent resident or other immigrant to this country, telling them that even people with felony convictions, decades old, potentially cannot work with them on voter registration drives, uh, and then creating a, a ton of bureaucratic red tape around how they engage in voter registration drives. And that is the focus of this lawsuit. It has things in it like shortening the amount of time organizations have to return registration applications from 14 days to 10 days. Um, you know, is there a rationale behind this that you're aware of as to why they would think this is a good idea to pass a law like this or, or what? I'm not sure, uh, quite frankly, it, of any rationale behind these laws, except for to make it harder for groups like the League of Women Voters to do their work and making it harder for uh, voters to get registered to vote and to use this assistant to assistance to get registered to vote. So for example, that change from 14 days to 10 days might sound somewhat innocuous, uh, but it's not because uh, vote work groups like the League of Women Voters want to be able to do quality control and, and vet all of the applications before they turn them in. They also have to rely on the postal service. Uh, they also rely on their volunteers to do this work. And what uh, these requirements do is set up a system where if a volunteer makes any mistake at all in following these requirements, the League of Women Voters could be subject to ruinous penalties that are you know, in excess of their entire programmatic budget. 
And also, you mentioned that it bans non-citizens from handling voter registration applications, which in effect would mean that they would have to do at least some kind of a background check on every one of their volunteers or face those stiff penalties. Is that accurate? That's absolutely right. And it's entirely contrary to the league's values. The league's values are about uh, equity and inclusion. In fact, uh, the rules of the League of Women Voters National require uh, groups like the League of Women Voters of Florida to accept uh, people of all different backgrounds, including people who do not have U.S. citizenship yet. And you can imagine that there are many people in the immigrant community in Florida who have not yet attained their citizenship, are working towards their citizenship, and want to help their fellow community members, new citizens in their communities get registered to vote. And this law makes that not only unlawful, but requires groups like the League to be conducting background checks on their members. That's absolutely right. So the lawsuit, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong or or clarify, the lawsuit is arguing that these new restrictions are unconstitutional? That's absolutely right. We argue that they are a violation of the First Amendment rights of the League of Women Voters, uh, that they are a violation of the League of Women Voters' free speech rights. There's nothing more core to political speech and engagement than voter registration activity. Uh, Voter registration activity is as old as voter registration itself in this country. Uh, It is a violation of the League of Women Voters' associational rights. Uh, The League of Women Voters is a membership group and a core activity of their membership is to engage in voter registration activity. And this law is now telling them who can and cannot participate in those membership activities. So uh, at least initially, the lawsuit seeks an injunction to stop the implementation of these provisions that are challenged in the lawsuit? That's absolutely right. There's one line in the lawsuit I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh, Senate Bill 7050, which imposes numerous burdens on third-party voter registration organizations that assist their fellow citizens in registering to vote, including certain provisions that, and this is the part, make voter registration activity in Florida uniquely difficult among the states. Can you put this into context nationally? Absolutely. So there are a handful of states that have engaged in kind of similar restrictions on voter registration activity, uh, making it kind of complicated or difficult. There was a lawsuit in Tennessee that successfully stopped um, some similar restrictions on voter registration activity in the state of Tennessee. And uh, we represented a number of groups, including the league in that lawsuit. However, uh, I am not aware of any state that has attempted to restrict who can engage in this activity like Florida does, telling non-citizens or people with certain past convictions that they cannot engage in this activity at all. Uh, the, I guess I should amend that. The only state I'm aware of that does this at all is the state of Texas. Um, and the state of Texas does have certain restrictions on who can handle voter registration applications and limits it to registered voters. Uh, even there, Uh, The restrictions are not as onerous because the felony restrictions here go farther than uh, restrictions on voting itself. Uh, So I would say that Texas is the only other state that even comes close uh, and still doesn't go as far as the state of Florida has gone here. Just to clarify what you said there. So we're we're familiar now in Florida with the the felony voting and the amendment. and you know who can vote, who can't vote, or who who can register to vote and who can't. The restrictions on this for people who might want to help people register are stricter than the restrictions on voting when it comes That's to felons. Right. 
That's right. So there's a certain list of felony convictions that if you have one of those felony convictions, you can never assist with voter registration in the state of Florida. Um, and that is not a small list. It includes a number of things like credit card fraud or perjury or forgery or um, a number of nonviolent crimes. And for that list of crimes, you could have gotten your voting rights back. You could be registered to vote yourself. The conviction could be decades ago and you would still be barred from engaging in voter registration activity under this law. Um, and this is not the only lawsuit against this new legislation, right? I, as I understand, the NAACP of Florida and the Hispanic Federation have filed similar challenges. Are you at all adjacently involved with, involved with those or are they separate entities? They are separate entities represented by uh, separate lawyers. However, we always work with other groups that are challenging similar laws. And so uh, we expect that these lawsuits are likely to be consolidated together um, and uh, and work through the court system together. And so I would expect um, that all of these lawsuits will kind of go in tandem in the court system and that we'll be working together in coordination on the litigation. Uh, another line in the lawsuit says the legislature's purpose is made even clearer by the fact that it has continued to pass laws creating new obstacles for third-party voter registration organizations despite multiple court decisions declaring its previous attempts unconstitutional. Can you clarify you know, what the previous attempts were like and what the nature of those or what the outcomes of those challenges were? Absolutely. So as the lawsuit explains, this is not Florida's first attempt here to restrict activity by voter registration organizations like the League of Women Voters. And in fact, this this history goes back at least over a decade. In the early 2010s, Florida legislature passed a series of restrictions similar to those that we see here today that had restrictions on how quickly applications had to be turned around um, and a series of bureaucratic rules around voter registration activity. And a number of those were struck down uh, by the courts as violating uh, the first and 14th amendments. Uh, and then most recently in 2021 in SB 90, there was a restriction that required a pretty kind of scary disclaimer uh, that third party voter registration groups would have to put on their voter registration applications, essentially telling voters that they couldn't be trusted to turn in the voter registration applications. And ultimately the Florida legislature repealed that disclaimer requirement, I think in recognition that it was not going to pass legal muster. Uh, so this is part of a, a trend uh, and this most recent set of restrictions Kind of ups the ante in several ways. It creates these new restrictions on who can engage in this activity. It ups the penalties substantially that can be levied against third-party voter registration groups, and it makes the restrictions even tighter. For example, your explanation that it changes the turn-in timeline from 14 days to 10 days. Uh, there's a series of other bureaucratic restrictions, a requirement that uh, third-party voter registration groups give a receipt to every voter that they help register. But at the same time, it tells voter registration groups that they're not allowed to retain any personal information about the voters that they help to register. As you can imagine, that puts third-party voter registration groups in quite a bind uh, because they have to give out receipts, but then they can't necessarily keep those receipts for themselves in order to demonstrate their own compliance with SB 7050. Uh, and that personal information restriction is also really harmful to the league's ability to do follow-up. 
uh, even with a voter's permission. They're not allowed to keep the personal voter information, contact information that is on the voter registration applications. Uh, as you can imagine, groups like the League want to be able to follow up with the voters that they register to say, hey, can I help you uh, find your polling place or understand mail voting? And all of that will be made very difficult or impossible by these new restrictions. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guest. Danielle Lang is Senior Director of Voting Rights at Campaign Legal Center. It's a nonpartisan nonprofit that advocates for every eligible voter to participate in the democratic process. We're discussing new legislation passed during the 2023 session and signed into law by Governor DeSantis that makes a host of changes to election law in the state, including significantly restricting how third-party voter registration organizations can operate. Campaign Legal Center is representing the League of Women Voters of Florida and a lawsuit against Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody and Secretary of State Cord Byrd that seeks to block provisions of the new omnibus election law that would restrict and penalize the organization's civic engagement efforts. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic, just find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, before we end the show, can we just go over some of the other aspects of this omnibus legislation? You kind of touched on them earlier. Um, can you explain the restrictions on mail-in voting or you know, the changes to how mail-in voting works? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, a number of the restrictions on mail-in voting are at the margins, you know, changing the deadline uh, from 10 days before an election to 12 days before of, before an election, uh, some restrictions on whether or not kind of mail ballots end up being packaged in the same envelope, for example. I think one of the most meaningful problems with the law when it comes to mail voting is the restriction on who can assist you in requesting a mail-in ballot. Uh, this new law says that you can only uh, have an immediate family member assist you in requesting a mail-in ballot. You can imagine that young voters and particularly disabled voters uh, might need assistance in applying for a mail-in ballot uh, and telling those disabled voters that they can only use immediate family members might not make sense for them at all. What if uh, they live with a roommate, uh, they live with a close friend, uh, uh, you know, significant other that is you know, not their spouse. All of those people might be barred from assisting uh, a disabled voter from asking for a mail-in ballot. Um, and that type of restriction is really harmful. And we've seen it elsewhere um, and is part of uh, one of the lawsuits uh, that was brought against SB 7050, although not um, the one brought by the League of Women Voters. Uh, SB 7050 also um, strengthens list maintenance requirements that could lead to voters having registrations purged. Uh, can you explain that aspect of it? Yes. Uh, I would say that it's quite a euphemism to say that it strengthens list maintenance. I think it kind of tightens the screws on election officials to engage in voter purges and may do so in ways that are over-regressive and may lead to registered eligible voters being removed from the rolls. Uh, there are uh, parts of the bill that put kind of mandatory uh, purge requirements on election officials and county election officials uh, might be kind of hamstrung in the ways in which they want to respond to problems with voter purge uh, procedures on that basis. Uh, it also creates kind of restrictions on um, looking for voters that are allegedly registered at non-residential addresses. Uh, 
you know, that's fine insofar as it actually finds people who are registered at non-residential addresses. Uh, but the ability for election officials to actually discern what addresses are residential and are not um, it is far from clear. Uh, and so I have a lot of concerns that these list maintenance uh, provisions in practice are really going to harm eligible registered Floridians, and we'll certainly be keeping a close eye on them. And then you mentioned at the top, um, this is also included in this legislation, uh, changes that the governor of Florida can run for president without having to resign the governorship. Is that right? That's right. I don't think it was a coincidence that this bill was signed on the same day that Governor DeSantis announced his presidential run because it paved the way for him to do so without having to resign from office. Um, I did read that there were some people, uh, including uh, Naples Republican Kathleen Pasadomo, who were saying that she didn't think that this change was necessary, but they were doing it just in case or for future governors of Florida. Can you clarify that at all? I'll confess to not um, not being an expert in that part of Florida law, um, although I imagine if they made the changes because they thought that there was at least enough ambiguity uh, that it would have caused trouble for Governor DeSantis if he didn't have that provision in the law. Fair enough. Um, so uh, uh, last question, remind our listeners sort of what the timeline for this lawsuit looks like going forward. Is this something that's likely to be resolved, at least the injunction aspect of it, prior to next year's general election, or, or is that impossible to say? The laws go into effect on July 1, and I know that uh, a number of the plaintiffs, including the League of Women Voters, are very concerned about that because even though uh, we're not in a kind of major election year, elections are always ongoing and voter registration activity is always, always ongoing. The League of Women Voters is engaged in voter registration year round in election years and off years. Uh, so I would imagine that some, you know, at least a preliminary injunction component of this lawsuit will move quickly. Uh, it's always impossible to kind of predict what might happen after that. Um, but I know that the plaintiffs are very concerned about seeking relief as soon as as soon as feasible. All right. Well, we may have to have you back as this plays out to get further clarity on it. But for now, I want to thank my guest, Danielle Lang, is Senior Director of Voting Rights at Campaign Legal Center. Danielle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for your interest in uh, these issues. You can find a link to the new law and what it contains, as well as the League of Women Voters of Florida's lawsuit challenging it on our website, wgcu.org gcl. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Callaghan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90. WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.